You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast, hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. It's nice to have you along for the ride, whether you're in your car, commuting to work, riding the subway or the metro, or on the treadmill at the gym. I commend you for turning your downtime into money-making time. And that's my goal with every one of these, is to give you content that's going to put money in your pocket. More placements, higher fees, and shorter closing cycles. That's what my training's all about. Today, I'm going to interview Victoria Ipri, who is a leading LinkedIn expert. Now, I'm not a LinkedIn expert. I'm on LinkedIn. I've got the paid one, and that's pretty much all I know. I've got a profile, and so I'm interested in learning what she has to say, and I hope it'll help you also. Before we talk with Victoria, I'm going to talk with you about learning, about how you can change your culture of your search firm or your staffing agency into a learning organization. But before we do that, let me give you some calendar dates, because if you live in some of these places where I'm going to be speaking, please come out and say hello and shake my hand. I'd really love to meet with you. So looking at the calendar here, if you live in Texas, come and visit me in Houston at the Houston Area Association of Personnel Consultants on February 27th. HAAPC.org is their website. I'm going to be there doing a full day of training. The morning session is going to be on candidates. The afternoon is going to be on clients. You don't have to come for the whole thing. We divided it into two different sections. You can register for one of those or both. On March 3rd, for lunch, I'll be doing a presentation for the Georgia Association of Personnel Consultants in Atlanta, Georgia. On the 19th of March, I'll be doing something for Crown Services in Columbus, Ohio, the following day, on March 20th and 21st, I'm doing a day-and-a-half seminar that I'm putting on in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Golden Nugget. If you haven't been to any one of my live seminars, I'd highly recommend this. This is going to be a day-and-a-half focusing on candidate issues, client issues, and personal performance, but really focusing on candidates and your breakthrough levels of achievement. Uh, there are still seats left. I'd recommend doing this sooner than later just because that's March Madness, and I know that a lot of the flights are starting to get expensive. You can go to my website, greatrecruitertraining.com, click on the live seminars link to get that info. On the 24th, I'll be in Fresno in March uh, in, for Pride staff. On April 9th, I'll be in Washington, D.C., speaking for the Capital Area Staffing Associations. Then on April 15th, for the Rocky Mountain Association of Recruiters. So that's it for the first four months of this year. If you have any desire for me to come to your office and do in-house training, I do that on a limited basis. My email is scott at scottlove.com. You'd be amazed. You pay me a dollar, I'm going to put $20 in your pocket. I will get your people producing. I promise you that. It will give you a huge return on investment. So that's enough of my calendar. Let's talk about some concepts, some things I've been thinking about. And I'll tell you this. I don't know if I've ever had the same day twice on my desk. Now, a lot of you know I'm doing a lot of speaking, but I'm actually going to back off that. I mean, I just gave a, a big push for the first four months of this year, and I'm going to taper it off. Then towards the end of the year, uh, probably in November and October, I'm going to be back on the road again doing uh, conferences and doing in-house training. But I spend pretty much most of my time dialing for dollars just like you. The last interview that I set up between a candidate and a client was for – Next week, I've got one guy who's got an interview on Monday, an interview on Wednesday, and a second interview on Thursday. I set all this up within the last 24 hours. My last interview, my last, my last conversation to a candidate or a client was not in 1985. So I'm on the phones every day just like you. And every day I learn something new. And what's, what I do, I document this. 
if you go to the freebies page of my website, go to greatrecruitertraining.com, look on the freebies page, look at the telephone discipline tool. This is where I set hourly goals for what connections I have in mind. So if I want to talk to four people an hour, I highlight four boxes. It's a telephone discipline tool. It's a free download. Then I also record how many yeses did I get? Was it a true yes or a conversion? How many no's did I get? Was it a no click or a no nice? And how many referrals did I get? I measure all those things because I want to know how am I doing? How am I getting better? I also write my daily targets on that sheet. So I print it out and I write down what are the two or three outcomes I want to achieve for the day. And then I keep track of two other things, lessons learned and my greatest achievement. So I'll usually, at the end of the day, I'll look at what did I accomplish today? What is the one thing I am the most proud of? I was able to turn that candidate around and he sent me his resume or whatever it was. And then also, what was that one lesson that I learned today? Some of the things I've learned recently are things like more calls equals more happy. The more people I talk to, the happier I am because I'm productive. The more conversations you have, the more opportunities you have. Another lesson learned recently was focus. I am the king of distraction. I shut off my email when I'm making my outbound recruiting calls, my marketing candidate calls, my client development calls. I shut off the email. It can wait two hours. I don't have to have it on right now. Another thing I learned was broader knowledge of more clients plus a wide net of possible candidates equals more placement. So recent focus area of mine is away from trying to sell a retainer or get an exclusive from a client into finding those rock star candidates that everybody wants and getting those guys in my back pocket and telling them, this is the knowledge I have of this marketplace. And I tell them, this, this is the number of organizations I have fee agreements with where I've, I've presented people to them. These are the number of organizations where I, I have relationships, where I know them. And I keep my thumb on the pulse of this market because I work within a city, within Washington. That's just my only, the only city I recruit in. And so when I'm talking to these candidates, they like that. They like my singular focus just on one region, and they trust me. And then I develop a loyalty pact with them. And I tell them, work with me and only me for the next few weeks. If I'm not helping you, cut me loose. And I'll, all I want to do is find one candidate a week that has the type of skills. And in my niche, it's the business, the large book of business. I just want to find one of those guys a week that wants to make a move and I'm going to present him to about five or six, sometimes seven different firms. And guess what? I know I'm going to make a placement. Now, we don't know that for sure. There's always risk. But I'm mitigating my risk by presenting to the market what everybody wants. And so if a client says, will you work with us on a retainer basis, I probably would decline. I don't know if I'd want to get uh, that close to an organization. Within my niche, I'd actually made some mistakes by doing that. And while they're taking their own sweet time, my candidate's getting calls from other recruiters because it was an exclusive and a mutually exclusive retained relationship. So I think that's why we always want to be asking ourselves, what is it that I'm learning? What is my biggest lesson learned? Because that affects strategy. And that's the next point I wanted to make. I think that you should look at your strategy and spend more time every week about where you're spending your time. Are you talking to the right clients? Are you talking to the right candidates? Is there a sub-niche that you should be spending time developing within your space? Is there a certain geographic region that you should be narrowing your focus in? Or should you be focusing on a certain type of position 
at a certain type of level and maybe expand that regionally. The only way you can make those corrections is by paying attention to what's working and what's not working. That's why there's no such thing as failure. It's just feedback. I made about six major mistakes last year. And each one of those, I look back. And even though I didn't bill what I wanted to, because of those six major mistakes, I'm ready to cash in this year, baby. Even though you might not have reached the goals that you wanted to, there is still valuable lessons that you can extract from that adversity. The deals fell apart. Congratulations. You now have something you can go back and reverse engineer and improve your standard operating procedures. I'd recommend if you have a search firm, go ahead and use the freebies tool. It's called the deal autopsy sheet to pick apart your deals that fell apart and learn from that. My final point is to help your company, your search firm organization, your staffing agency become a learning organization. Don't withhold all the knowledge. That's one of the main reasons why I created RecruiterVT.com. I know a lot of my content is out there on the web. There are some other sites that have my training content as part of their curriculum. And every week, people would tell me, you're the only trainer that we watch on this. You know, can you create something similar to this that's going to be more focused on your style and your substance and really your systems? So I create systematic models that instead of owners and managers training the revolving door, delegate the training to technology. Delegate it to me. It's a multi-million dollar platform with my partner, Lightspeed VT. It's called RecruiterVT.com. Check it out if you want a free tour. You can schedule that. And my sales rep and myself will be glad to show that to you. And I don't mean to turn this into a commercial, but my point is you need to get systems in the hands of your people that's going to help them to improve. Just because you're working with a different platform like that doesn't mean that's the only one. It's kind of like saying, well, I read a sales book and I don't need to read any more. Well, you need different perspectives on this. But I think what most people need to look at is Instead of giving people biographies, give them a how-to manual. Show them a model of success. Help them read every day. If you're a sales rep and you're working for somebody else or you're a recruiter and you're working within a company, uh, that congratulations, you have a business partner that's going to support your training. I still think you should take a $100 bill, go to a bookstore this weekend and buy $100 worth of sales books and read every day. Before you go to bed, open up a few pages while you're brushing your teeth and at least you can say, at least I did my reading for the day. Don't set a commitment to read several chapters every day. Keep it small, just two pages a day. Create workable habits that become ingrained in you, and those habits can keep you consistently performing and learning in the business. This podcast is sponsored by RecruiterVT.com. More deals, higher fees, and shorter closing cycles. If you own or manage a recruiting firm, do you ever get tired of training the revolving door of recruiters? Are you disappointed with the performance results of your team? Do you wish your recruiters could finally develop consistent and higher levels of production? Then delegate your training to Scott Love. Through his multi-million dollar interactive online training platform, he can show your recruiters how to close more deals in less time with higher fees. Visit RecruiterVT.com for a free demo today. So I've got with me on the line Victoria Ipri, who is a recognized LinkedIn consultant and educator who demystifies the professional networking platform for members across the U.S. and Canada. Victoria is a sought-after speaker, and she's the author of the popular ebook LinkedIn for the Clueless, 
Victoria is also the founder of the IFRI Institute and a respected LinkedIn instructor for industries from marketing to universities to human resource initiatives. And as we all know, uh, quite a few people on LinkedIn are recruiters. And I think probably one out of 20 is the figure I heard from LinkedIn directly. Uh, Victoria holds a degree in advanced internet marketing from the University of San Francisco and resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her newest initiative is LinkedIn Leaders Training, focusing on issues of importance to professional women using LinkedIn. Victoria, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thanks, Scott. Pleasure to be here. So I'm kind of curious. I know LinkedIn, I don't even know how long it's been around, but uh, how long have you been involved in uh, your consulting practice with LinkedIn? Well, let's see. I mean, I've been around. I'm, I'm one of the old crusty ones that's been around for a while. So I think LinkedIn was invented in Reed Hoffman's living room around 2002. Probably by 2003 it was a reality. And I think I became a member a year or two after that, fairly fairly around 2005, I would say, 2006. So uh, in 2006 I left the corporate world to start my own business. Uh-huh. And um, things have evolved since then. I started out as a copywriter, and then I was on the SEO, search engine optimization side. And then 2009, this little thing came along called social media. And I'm like, gee, that looks interesting. I wonder if that could be something I could help my clients with. Never dreaming in a million years that it would turn into what it is for all of us in our lives today. Sure. So I, you know, played around with the the only three that were available at the time, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And LinkedIn, I was just drawn to it. So I started um, using LinkedIn every day and worked on building my profile. And a few people asked me for help with their profiles. And along the way, someone said, you know, you should charge for this. And I'm like, hey, that I guess this would be a good little business. So I started helping people, and, you know, one thing led to another. What can I say? So that's how that's I really great. got started in the business. That's great. So so let's kind of talk, you know, get right into the, the, the concept of LinkedIn and how people like us, recruiting firms, can use it to our advantage. You know, kind of talking about strategy, do you think that an individual or a company's greater visibility necessarily leads to a better talent fit? I don't know of anyone who would say no to that. Of course, the answer is a resounding yes, but there are a lot of reasons behind why that is a yes. Uh-huh. So I'm sure you've heard about LinkedIn profile optimization. It's a uh-huh. much debated topic. Uh, you know, Precise strategies are thrown around for keyword usage and um, how you should write your profile headline. Well, let's kind of back up a little bit. What does that mean when you say the LinkedIn profile optimization? What does that mean exactly? What are some Profile optimization, just like optimization for anything, and the word is used applied to apply to a lot of things, but in the terms of a profile, really would be uh, using strategies on the profile that will help you to get found, and that's a common phrase today, get found, by the people who are most valuable to you. So a job seeker who wants to be found by a certain set of recruiters or hiring managers would want to tweak his profile in a certain way using certain keywords and other strategies that would cause him to to fall in front of, for lack of a better phrase, uh, that person's eyeballs in an online search. Right. Wow. That's what optimization is. And that's what we can do as recruiters to, to optimize our site or our oh, LinkedIn absolutely. page 
Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of people think optimization is only about keywords, and we're going to talk about a few things today. It's far more than just keywords. Because today, not to go off in the weeds too much on a different topic, but because of certain rules that Google has set, uh, the shift today is away from keywords strictly as a measure of ranking. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, if you want to be on the first page of Google. But it's more around the conversation that's around your brand today. So while, while keywords are still important, because we all type them into search engines to find what we need, the ranking of a website or your profile is really um, supported more by the conversation that's around your brand. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. So keywords are great, but they're not the be-all and the end-all. Well, this this is really intriguing to me. This is something I have really – I'm not the expert on these sorts of things. I'm not the guy that people hire to say, help us build a LinkedIn profile. Uh, Something I have heard, and this is a phrase I think you might have mentioned once before, reverse engineering the profile. What what does that mean exactly? Right. So when you strip down LinkedIn, what you get is a giant search engine similar to Google, not exactly the same, and of course the algorithms are somewhat different. But um, there are 30,000 or more companies, not individuals, because there are about 323 million members on LinkedIn now, but there are 30,000 companies across the world who are using that LinkedIn recruiter tool to source the best candidates. Mm -hmm. And and tell me about that tool. What is that tool exactly? Well, the tool is... um, something special that LinkedIn has created. It's the foundation of LinkedIn's revenue. Recruiters pay. There are two versions of it. The recruiter, um, it's just the premium subscription called Recruiter, and then there's Recruiter Lite. So the regular recruiter corporate, I think is the official name for it, runs about $9,000 per user per year. Mm -hmm. So if you have a recruiting agency, and you have numerous people working there, and they each need their own membership, that can get pretty pricey, spending that kind of money. The tool better be worth it if you're going to spend that kind of money on it. And so LinkedIn has put a lot of effort and money into building a tool that will help recruiters source candidates using LinkedIn in very special ways, which I'll be mentioning to you in a moment. I want to get too far off on that now, but you know, even the fact that LinkedIn has surpassed Monster and other very well-known uh, sites for job searching, they've really become the number one place on the planet to look for a job. Wow. So you've got this convergence of you know, 323 plus million members, not that they're all job seeking, and you know, 30,000 companies using the recruiter tool. And they're all converging together on this one platform with all these jobs posted. It's quite a uh, quite a historical thing, I think. Do you think LinkedIn started with this intention to be a, a tool for the employment marketplace, or do you think that's just a derivative or a byproduct? I think when Jeff Weiner um, took over the position as CEO and Reid Hoffman uh, became a board member and sort of stepped back from the day-to-day operations – that Jeff had a, um, a couple of new visions for the company, and one of his major visions is to develop this economic graph, which basically would map all the jobs and all the candidates 
and all the all the um, you know map everyone's relationships professionally across the world. So it's a huge wow. undertaking, and they've been talking about it a long time, and they are in the process of doing that. Um, I don't think that's something that Reed Hoffman um, maybe he thought about it. He never talked about it. But yeah, so I think um, when Jeff Weiner took over, things changed, and they uh, saw the potential to make the recruiter tool really be the bread and butter uh-huh. site. But on the other hand, that can be a negative because a lot of people think all LinkedIn is for is job seeking, and it's so much more than that. You don't have to be looking for a job for even for LinkedIn's recruiter tool to impact your career because recruiters have the ability to source passive candidates, which are people who aren't actively looking for a job right. but might be the most qualified. That's really very, very valuable to people who are using the recruiter tool. And I think that's what most of the people I know within our industry, the third-party mm-hmm. recruiting industry, headhunting, staffing, whatever you call us, executive search. Right. We want to find those people that they're not looking, they're successful, but we can check out their profile. We can reach exactly. them. Exactly. And, and on top of that, the whole all kinds of fun things you can do if you have the recruiter tool to sort of uh, keep, if I can use the word track in a non-creepy way, to track uh, the activity of a person who may look like a, a good candidate for an open position. So job seekers, they have special challenges. Their needs are, uh, generally speaking, more immediate than the needs of, say, business owners who are looking for leads. And they're not going to be optimizing their profiles for the long haul, like a business owner might be. So while some right. optimization techniques would work for all LinkedIn members, there are certain optimization techniques that really can make a big difference just for job seekers because re- LinkedIn re- re- um, recruiters on LinkedIn are using LinkedIn differently than the average LinkedIn member because they enjoy access to all kinds of features that are designed to give them quick insights into the professional abilities of candidates who most closely match their search parameters. So so what are some nuggets, some tips that you could give to a third party recruiter how you know a couple of things we can do to optimize our, our page right. on LinkedIn? Right. Well, optimization, the the core areas of optimization on the profile circle around the uh, headline and the summary. Okay. And this is true for everyone using LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. All of us have a reason for being on LinkedIn and that reason is to get found. Whether you want to get found to get a job or get found because you want leads or get found because you're promoting a cause, whatever it is, we want people to see us or we wouldn't be there on LinkedIn. Right. Because it's a giant search engine, in order to get found when people search, you've got to use the right words and the right techniques to fall on, hopefully, page one. Uh, Someone types in a search term and they get back a million results. Where do you fall on that list? If you're not on page one, they're probably never going to see you. Yeah, you're right. So it's very, in that way, very similar to Google and trying to rank a website. So the, the keywords in particular uh, work best in the headline and in the summary. It's not a stuffing kind of a thing. You don't want to just stuff a bunch of keywords in there. You want it to be natural, um, but you want to use those keywords often enough that it will help you match with a search when someone's looking for someone like you. And LinkedIn, even now, as you're writing your profile, LinkedIn has a box that pops up that will share with you what some of the most common keywords are that you could incorporate into what you're writing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that helps. And then, you know, other things like be sure you share your contact information, not only in the contact info area, 
but repeat it again with a call to action at the bottom of your summary. People need to be told what action to take or else they read something and they say, that was nice and off they go. So tell people what you want them to do. Do you want a phone call? Do you want them to fill out a form, visit a website? What is the next thing you want people to do after they read your summary? You gotta tell them what to do. And share your contact information again. People forget where they saw it, and if they can't find it easily enough up at the top of the profile, they get frustrated. So you want to grab them right then when they're thinking, hey, I think I want to call this person. Those are great ideas, Victoria. They're very simple, but they're very probably simple. very powerful. People forget to do it, yes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we all, I think we miss simple with, things because we're all yeah. so focused on, you know, got to get a new client, got to got to uh, get to whatever your next goal is, and we forget that some of the simplest things will help us do that. Well, I've heard other recruiting firms talk about in-mails. Can you define that and talk yes, about uh, sure. the value of that? So in-mails allow recruiters to contact anybody, any other member that piques their interest. But even if they don't decide to send an in-mail, the recruiter can still watch and receive updates on mm -hmm. candidates that they think are potential for an open position. And they can add those people to their hiring projects. That's a tab in the recruiter thing. And see who else in the company might be tracking that person. Mm -hmm. And there's even a new beta feature that allows a recruiter to see people within the company, her company or his company, uh, who can provide feedback on a potential candidate and this is, can all happen before the recruiter ever speaks to that person through an email or by phone. It's pretty right. powerful. So the in-mails are like uh, private email messages. Uh, you need to have a premium account in order to send in-mails, and of course most recruiters do. And you get a certain number of in-mails with your, with your premium account. And once they're used up, you have to wait. If you use them all up right away, you have to wait for the next month when your subscription renews to get more. Although there is the opportunity to buy 10 in-mails for $100. Okay. If you run out, you can buy 10 more if you really, really need them. But in-mails, uh, because they do are costly, uh, you don't want to use them indiscriminately. And you want to craft, and here's where a lot of people sort of fall down the rabbit hole, you really want to craft uh, an in-mail message that resonates with the person who's receiving it. It's not um, a typical email that you might just dash off without thinking a whole lot about what you're saying. So what an in, because the in-mail gives you an opportunity to bypass uh, some of the conventional rules on LinkedIn about how you have to know a person before you can send them a message, mm -hmm. in-mail allows you to bypass and really knowing that person, which is pretty uh, priceless opportunity. So, so with the in-mail, you don't have to ask somebody else to connect you to that other right. person. You, just you don't need to be to a first connection, and you don't need to know the person's email address. And what are some things that you have seen have been effective for people like us, trying to reach that choice candidate that's a passive candidate uh, through an in-mail? I think it's important not to send what's, what reads like a mass-produced message. You know, be personal, call the person by name, mention specific positions if you have them, tell the person why you think they would be a good fit. Um, you know, all the kind of niceties you might do if you were 
standing face to face with that person. Uh-huh. It's really important to be be a human, be a person, because in the on the recruiting end of things, everything's quite automated these days, and job seekers can feel very faceless. Right. So I've gotten recruiter emails that were quite um, seemed quite mass produced, and frankly, they seem they come off very rude. Like yeah. um, you're in a herd of cattle, and you don't really <laughs> matter, and you know come to this website and fill out this form and especially if you're recruiting at the sea level uh, you want to be much more personalized and it's simply good etiquette on LinkedIn to do things in a very personal way anyway uh-huh. so that's the typical thing a person should do when using an in-mail but especially for recruiters who want to make a, a good first impression on this potential candidate who might be a very valuable person for their own network, right? So, and if they, if they they don't respond, well, well, there goes ten dollars. You know, there, there's yes, in a there's sense, one that's arrow in the quiver true. that's gone. Yeah, in a sense, that's true. I mean, you can follow up. Um, there are other strategies you can use. In mail, kind of a first line of defense, I guess. Um, most, I think, most people, even if they're not actively job seeking, would respond to a well-written, warm email from a recruiter who's basically saying, hey, I might have a better job for you. Who doesn't want a better right. job? Mm-hmm. I don't care if you say you love your job. You still want to know about better jobs that are out there. Mm-hmm. So job seekers are anxious to connect with recruiters, just as well as recruiters want to fill their pipelines with right. great candidates. What, what about uh, the testimonial part of LinkedIn? Is that one way that you think a recruiter can really showcase his or her expertise and really build a platform of credibility. Are you referring to the endorsements or recommendations? Like the recommendations Mm -hmm. on the LinkedIn page. Right. Recommendations are more valuable than endorsements because anyone can endorse you for anything. And uh, even though they are a big part of how the algorithm ranks you, most people don't take endorsements very seriously. But Mm -hmm. recommendations are different because they come directly from someone who's done business with you in some way. Right. And, you know, it's more of a personal experience. And today consumers are very used to reading recommendations, uh, testimonials. That's what they do. Anybody in the buying process goes online, looks up a product, uh, reads what other people who bought it and used it have to say about it. It's a huge part of the decision-making process when someone's about to pull out a credit card to buy something. So in the same way, if if a job candidate is looking to work with a specific recruiter or recruiting agency, you, you can be sure they're going to be reading those recommendations about other people's experiences with them. Not that this anyone's is really... going to say anything bad, though. Obviously, right. they're all going to be positive, but still, right. <laughs> they can be valuable and helpful. And I think I like even reading other recruiters and what do the candidates and the clients say about them. Some of them talk about the knowledge they had of the market yeah. and helping them or fee negotiate or, or comp negotiations or if it's on the client side, just how smooth it was, how mm-hmm. they found people they wouldn't have been able to find. And that's always right. interesting, I think, you know, finding out what is unique about this recruiter based on the specific testimonial and recommendation of, of the person that wrote that. Right, and, right. And I find that's very interesting. There was a, um, a gentleman, I'm sorry, a woman who co-founded a company called Resonate, and she was quoted on uh, the Mashable website. Her name is Mona Abdel-Halim. 
and she said, unbeknownst to many job seekers, 72% of resumes are never seen by human eyes. She was explaining about the ATS, the applicant tracking system, and how um, automated recruiting has become in our day and age. And that's how I came up with this idea about the reverse engineering the profile. And you had asked me this earlier, and that's why I'm getting back to it now, about what this yeah. whole thing really, this concept really is about reverse engineering. So the point is that beyond some of the typical methods for profile optimization, reverse engineering can tweak the profile in ways based on how a recruiter searches for someone like you. So that phrase, someone like you, is uh, a phrase that LinkedIn uses in many different ways. And it's important in LinkedIn search. So a recruiter might, um, you might use a phrase to describe yourself, and I think I would mentioned this to you earlier, you might call yourself, a, you may be in the financial field and call yourself a senior analyst. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people use that headline, that title. But if you were to say hedge fund financial analyst, that's a much more defined key phrase. And so a recruiter who's looking for someone who's a senior analyst at that level, but who has this hedge fund expertise, they may type in a more um, what's called a long tail keyword, mm -hmm. which is a keyword with more words to it, mm -hmm. to look for someone like you, to more closely find someone who fits their open position. So understanding, for job seekers, understanding the tools that recruiters have at their disposal from all these various LinkedIn uh, buttons and bells and whistles that they get to these ATS, these applicant tracking systems, and how resumes are read is really crucial to fitting into that search when someone is looking for someone like you. So for job seekers, it's important for them to understand how the recruiter sees them from the, from the recruiter tool side. Right. Right? So when we talk about ourselves, when we go online and we fill out, we write a bio about ourselves or we fill out our profile, we are thinking about what we want to tell people about ourselves. Mm -hmm, right. But that's not always what people are typing in to find someone like you. So Interesting. Rather, wow. Yes. Rather than say, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, Hi, my name is Victoria, and I teach people how to use LinkedIn. Okay, that's true. But is that phrase really going to help people find me? No. The phrases that help people find me are things like LinkedIn speaker, um, LinkedIn specialist, LinkedIn educator, these are things that people type in to look right. for someone like me. So those are the phrases I want to use. So it's not so much about you, what you want to say about yourself, but how you can best describe yourself to match how other people are looking for you. It's almost counterintuitive in a lot of yes, ways. it is. And that's why optimization is so important, and that's why so many people fail at it. And the same principle goes for recruiters as well, either when they're searching or when they want to put their best foot forward with their profiles so they can source the best candidates. What about things like video, putting video on your LinkedIn profile? Do you think that elevates your profile and gets more people to be able to find you? I don't know if it – I don't think it helps people find you because the, these little bots that uh, pull pieces of information off of our – profiles and our status updates and things, they can't read images. So I don't think the um, video itself is going to help you get found. Mm -hmm. But it certainly can engage humans better. 
because we all want to be entertained. We want to get our information in small bites. Uh, we want to watch something rather than read about something. So when you can put a video on your profile or a couple of videos or a link to something with pictures in it, people tend to want to look at that and, and absorb that easier. Right. And that's what makes adding that rich media to your profile so important. And I think anything that builds that emotional context to the relationship adds Absolutely. to the quality of that. Sure. So. They can see that you're, you're real humans too, rather than Victoria, just reading words on a page. Right. You, you've got some great insights here. As we wrap up, if there was one piece of advice you'd like to give to recruiters, if there's one thing they need to know that you'd like to share with them, what would that be? I really honestly think, and this may sound Pollyanna to some people, I really believe with the evolution of uh, the job seeking in our country, whether you're on the job seeking side or the recruitment side, that we all need to understand each other a little bit better. Um, rather than being, you know, which side are you on? At mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're all on the same side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Job seekers need jobs and recruiters need to fill those jobs. So I, don't, I think most, most LinkedIn users, whether they're passive or actively job seeking, don't have a clue about what takes place on the recruiter side. Right. And that's why it's sort of been my mission to help people understand that. They don't know that recruiters are turned off by buzzwords like guru or maven. You shouldn't be using those words on your profile. <laughs> it makes you sound like an idiot. Um, or what's the, other, what's the other big one that people use, superhero and something else? I'm like, oh, that makes you sound so lame. But people do it. Um, they don't know that recruiters can see just about all of their LinkedIn activities with a little button called Update Me that's available in the recruiter tool. So for better or for worse, a recruiter can track you and see everything you're doing on oh. LinkedIn. Or that recruiters might be members of your favorite groups, so and maybe they're just hanging around in there assessing potential candidates. So I hope that recruiters will maybe broaden uh, the way they view job seekers. I've had job seekers tell me that they lost a job because they had a typo on their profile or because um, they weren't very active on LinkedIn and so the recruiter thought maybe they weren't really interested. I think we all have to give each other a little bit of a break mm -hmm, and try to mm -hmm. understand each other a little bit better, use the tools that are at our disposal like LinkedIn, which is a fabulous tool, and um, let's try to all help each other get what we want. That's kind of my, my mantra in life. Well, that's great. Well. Victoria, you've added a lot of value to our podcast. Tell us yeah. about your offerings. What sort of things do you do that can help recruiters improve their skills with LinkedIn? Right. Um, I think on the recruiter side, the best opportunities I offer are uh, coaching, which can be done by phone. Uh, for most people, that's how it's done, by phone. And you just you know, choose the hours, one hour, ten hours, whatever it is that you might want. Mm -hmm. So the personal coaching is popular. Uh, the next thing would be a webinar for a small group of people. Um, I also do on-site trainings. You can bring me into your location, and mm -hmm. I'll do a, a more of a deep dive training. It could be from an hour to three hours, depending on how much information is needed. Uh, those are probably the top things. I can do a, like a group presentation that's not really a training, but maybe an hour of just teaching the, the attendees what LinkedIn is all about, if that's... Um, important to an agency who probably uh, most agencies are a little bit uh, beyond that point. But mm -hmm. I've had companies bring me in and they invite their clients in to the meeting 
So there's an opportunity to network. Oh, wow. They offer yeah. them a little snack. It's a chance to show some expertise to their clients and offer them some value. So that can be a great thing too. So those are probably the top uh, things that I offer that recruiters can take advantage of. And I, I like to say that just because the recruiters are using the recruiter tool doesn't mean that they totally understand everything about how LinkedIn works. Right. There's a lot of moving parts on that site. And it's over time has become more and more sophisticated. So, and so how, um, can, how can people listening find you, Victoria? What's, what's your website address? Sure. They can find me on my website at learnlinkedinfast.com. That's great. That's what everybody wants, isn't it? That's it. We all want to learn it fast. And I, you know, LinkedIn is 10 years old, and some of us are still learning how to use it as if it was 10 years ago. And we need to all do things better, faster, and with better results at the end of it so we can achieve more and be more productive. Indeed. Well, thank yes. you so much for your time and your expertise. This is Thanks. great having you on, Victoria. My pleasure.